My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 23rd of June. I'm Zara. Friday. I'm Sam. On this day, seven years ago, the UK voted to leave the European Union. A United Kingdom deeply divided. Every area in Scotland and in Northern Ireland, they went for Remain. In a referendum that divided old from young, Scotland and Northern Ireland from England and the Prime Minister from his job, 52% of voters agreed that the UK was better off outside the EU. Protests outside Parliament on the day Britain should have left the European Union. The reality is actually hitting in that we have actually left EU. We're going to be joined by TDA journalist Tom Crowley in today's Deep Dive to look at what happened then and what's happened since. But first, Sam, what's in the news today? Almost one quarter of businesses experienced a cybersecurity attack in the 2021-22 financial year. That's new findings from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. This more than doubled the 8% figure from the 2019-20 financial year. The majority of attacks were scam or fraud incidents, followed by malicious software and unauthorised use. At least 37 people have been injured following an explosion that sparked a fire at a building in central Paris. Over 200 firefighters were called to the scene, which was believed to be caused by a gas explosion. Four people are in a critical condition. A US government agency has sued Amazon over allegations the tech company, quote, knowingly duped millions of people into Amazon Prime. The Fair Trade Commission claims Amazon tricked customers into signing up to automatically renewing subscriptions. Amazon say they make it clear and simple for customers to use or cancel a Prime membership. And the good news, a rare all-white whale has been spotted off the coast of Queensland. The whale was heading north when it was located near the Whitsundays on the central Queensland coast. The sighting has spurred speculation that the whale could be Migaloo, a white whale that hasn't been seen since 2020. Tom, welcome back to the pod on an exciting day, seven years since Brexit happened. Seven years since, I'm getting so old, Zara. How has it been seven years since Brexit? It's wild. Let's talk through it. Cast our minds back to 2016. What was Brexit and how on earth did this thing come about? So Brexit means Britain exit from the European Union. The European Union is a political and economic union of 27 countries. Well, it was 28, of course, until Britain left. For people who know their history, a lot of wars have been fought between the countries of Europe and coming out of World War One and then World War Two, there was this desire to, well, never have a repeat of that and a theory that the way to achieve that would be to basically all join a union together, to move closer together as countries. And so the countries of Europe formed this kind of what is a lot more than any other alliance that we have anywhere in the world. We have a lot of global talk fests like the UN and the G20 where leaders get together and chat. The EU is more than that. It, it, is, it has a government, it has a parliament, it passes laws, it has power over the members who join the EU and they make decisions as a collective. In exchange for that, they get a lot of benefits. 
so they can trade freely with one another. People can move freely between European countries. Some of them share a currency, the euro, not, not all of them, uh, but there are lots of ways that the, the members of the EU have a lot in common. I guess the important flip side of that to highlight is that it does take away some power from the national governments of these countries like France and Germany and, and, and the UK. And there has always been a bit of reservation in, in all countries in the EU about that, about losing some of that power to a centralised government in Europe. But I think it's fair to say that that strain of kind of anti-EU sentiment has always been particularly strong in the UK and that's what led in 2016 to this referendum where the people of the United Kingdom were asked, basically, should we stay or should we go? You mentioned the word referendum there. And obviously in Australia, that's been in the news a lot. We've got a referendum at the end of this year about whether a voice to parliament should be enshrined in our constitution. This is obviously a different example. So can you just run us through how the Brexit referendum actually worked? Yeah, so the rules are slightly different in the UK. I guess the first thing is that it's optional, whereas our system is compulsory. So not everyone had to vote. And there's no sort of special system in Australia. We have quite complicated rules about the, you know, the high bar that is required for a referendum to pass. In the UK, it was just a simple majority. You just had to get past 50%. And uh, the Leave case did that. They, they got to just under 52%. So very, very close, a very divided country, but 52% was enough. And I guess it's interesting to note that there were some really clear splits across the UK. What makes the UK quite a unique place is that it's actually made up of four countries, England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland together make up the UK. And there were very, very different results. So England and Wales were very strongly in favour of leaving and Scotland and Northern Ireland were very much in favour of remaining. But even within that, there were urban voters were much more likely to want to stay, uh, younger voters. Um, and so as a result, you know, the City of London and other cities kind of tended to vote remain, but really the, the vote to leave was driven in large part by rural England. Older voters, rural voters tended to push this, this Brexit campaign over the line. Um, and in the end, of course, it was a vote to leave. So there was a vote, but after that, it was a hell of a bumpy road. It took over three and a half years of negotiations and two more prime ministers before the UK actually left the EU. What was the political story post-Brexit? Well, you're right, Zara, it was chaos. I mean, I think the first thing to say probably is that the result took people by surprise. I, mm, I think I remember even it. people who were running the Leave campaign, I don't think they really had planned for a scenario where they won. And... I guess it turned out that this wasn't actually such a simple process. It took years and years of negotiating. It claimed the careers, really, of several prime ministers mm. one way or another. David Cameron, who was the prime minister when the referendum first happened, he campaigned to stay and you know, following the result, he left. Theresa May followed. She had a lot of difficulty and then she left as well. <laughs> Boris Johnson really struggled to get Brexit over the line. He ended up sort of falling down for a bunch of other reasons, but you know, Brexit was a big part of his prime ministership as well. It's taken a very, very long time. And it's been so politically thorny that it has threatened to really tear apart the UK altogether. That's the other part of this, is that, as I say, Scotland and Northern Ireland voted very strongly to, to remain. They were very, very annoyed at essentially being forced to leave by England. 
And so the pushes in both of those countries for independence from the United Kingdom, or in the case of Northern Ireland, to join the Republic of Ireland, have gotten a lot stronger on the back of Brexit. So it had huge ramifications in a political sense. On the economic front, what's happened post-Brexit to the UK? Yeah, it's, it's been fairly bad news for the economy as well, I think it's fair to say. I mean, there are lots of things that have been difficult for, for the UK's economy in the last few years, including the pandemic, including some of the same inflation challenges that all of us face. So it can't be sheeted all down to Brexit. But it's been a really, really difficult period for the UK economy. They've been you know, pretty stagnant since. And in particular, again, it came back to this idea that you could trade freely within Europe, and now they can't do that. You know, trading freely within Europe, that's bad news for you if you're making, say, you know, halloumi in England and you have to compete with the halloumi producers. Very niche example. It is niche, but, you know, Cyprus where, and, and, and Greece where they make a lot of really good halloumi and you've got to compete with them mm. and they can trade freely into England, then, then it's not great news for you. But for British exporters, for people who are making good British products, you get free access to all of Europe. And one of the big export industries actually in the UK was finance. You think of the City of London and all the kind of, you know, financial types who live in London. That's a huge part of the UK's economy was this, this kind of financial gateway for Americans and for the whole world into Europe. And all of that got a lot harder. And so from an economic perspective, you know, Brexit was was really difficult. But I think it's worth saying at this point because you know, I'm conscious that this sort of sounds like a lot of negatives that I'm listing here. But mm. I think it's important to recognise that that was sort of foreseen and Brexit was chosen anyway. You know, there were some efforts from the Leave campaign to suggest that actually it would be okay for the economy. But in the end, it was about something more than that. And it was almost kind of, you know, forget about the consequences for the economy. It was about making a, a particular statement. I, I think in a sense, you know, the UK was kind of having a bit of an existential crisis. Who am I? Yeah, well, yeah. It's a kind. Of, you go back to the nineteen forties, fifties, end of World War Two, and the UK has been this enormous world power with a massive empire, and then that all crumbles. You then get into the eighties in Britain, and there's this massive economic devastation. Um, you know, sometimes you know, famous anyone who's watched The Crown might have seen the coal miners' strikes and that period of time. Um, manufacturing coal mining jobs that had been the backbone for a lot of rural England who would eventually vote for Brexit. Those jobs went and there was this sense of, you know, who are we as a nation? And the Leave campaign, I think, effectively managed to channel that sort of anger at these bureaucrats in the EU telling us what to do. I think it was one of the, the Leave campaigners who said the, the British people are sick and tired of experts um, during the Brexit campaign, that was kind of one of the famous lines. And I think that kind of sums it up. It wasn't about, you know, is this going to be good or bad for the economy? It really was um, a political statement um, that I think was was the driving factor behind that vote. I mean, you're picking up there on a sentiment that existed within the UK and clearly enough people felt it. How are people feeling now about Brexit seven years on? There is some... <laughs> They call it regret or regrexit. Um, I don't think either <laughs> yeah. of those work, but you do. You. Yeah, try try saying them five times fast. So there is some of that Brexit remorse. Uh, I think it was a recent poll that suggested fifty six percent of people in Great Britain thought it was wrong to leave. Now, if you remember that the vote was you know fifty two forty eight, that's that's a, a small jump. About eight percent of people maybe who've changed their minds since. So certainly some people who perhaps have seen how 
um, messy it all was as it played out and how much of a turbulent political and economic period it's been um, and feel a little bit of whatever it was, regrexit. Um, but, you know, still, obviously, that's 44% who are still in favour whatever has happened since. Again, as I say, I think that this was a really complicated vote and a complicated national moment that it's very difficult to, to distill simply. It's a difficult time, and I think there are still a lot of people who look really favourably to the Brexit result as an example of, of, of taking control and trying to, to reassert, um, you know, some, some British authority and and autonomy i think that that was really where that that push came from so it would be really wrong to suggest that absolutely everybody regrets brexit but if you were to run the referendum again today we probably would get a different result tom thanks for joining us and making me feel old thanks Sarah. i'll be back in a few months i guess to talk about how it's been seven years since trump got elected as well Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz today. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a great day.